How's it going, folks? How's it going? I'm Brother Matthew, and this is Christian Coffee Time, where we sit down together to study the Word of God. And here we are, here we are, another day with another great study. We're still working our way through the Gospel of Luke. <clears throat> and uh, <laughs> as Spice says, his prediction is we'll probably be done Luke in about six months. Yeah, probably. That's, that's a pretty safe bet as we're just slowly meandering our way through the gospel of luke <clears throat> there's just there's so much stuff there's so much stuff here in the pages that it just it's really difficult to pick what we're going to dive into the depths on and what we're going to kind of skim over so this is why it's so important for you to take this and go and do the study yourself as well there's so much here it, the, the scriptures are so chocked full of such great riches on teaching and instruction and doctrine uh, for our own personal application that uh, we, we don't want to leave anything behind. So make sure you go back and read through these things and look at it yourself, pray over it yourself, and see what else you can pull out. All right, so we're still working our way through the Gospel of Luke. We're in chapter 8, and we are up to verse 2. 40. So please grab your Bibles, notepads, and pens and turn with me to the Gospel of Luke chapter 8, and we're going to pick up where we left off. And yeah, so while we also wait for others to join in, a couple different announcements. Um, yes, I, I was off the, over this weekend as I wasn't feeling well. I'm better now. Thank you so much for your prayers and all that. I'm feeling much better. Um, just the just knocked the wind out of me and i just I, I just didn't have enough energy and enough drive to be able to do uh, full studies on broadcast so i just decided just to postpone it so we're gonna pick it up here today and as well um some stuff going on over on our instagram um i am i've been doing a lot of posts on instagram regarding uh once saved always saved as the word of god teaches uh how when we are saved salvation is eternal and so i've been debating with people and talking to different people and fighting with certain people <laughs> over this who've been fighting back uh so i'm actually in talks with a few friends of mine on uh possibly doing some videos some instagram live videos gonna try to see if i can get a number of them going um multiple different vids on proving once saved always saved eternal security so if you're interested in that you can uh, keep that in mind and watch for that if you might be interested in doing a video with me live on instagram proving eternal security as per scripture contact me let me know you contact me over on instagram and i'd be glad to hear you and of course uh, one second if you're interested in co contacting me for that you can let me know my instagram user is at two cor two underscore one that is my instagram uh handle that's my instagram name so just type that in you'll find me brother matthew you'll find my page and all that and just shoot me a private message let me know you'd like to do a live vid um this is a very big topic uh this is very very important 
because as you may have seen, if you follow me on Instagram or elsewhere, you may have seen some of my posts on this, that, uh, that if salvation can be lost or taken away or recanted, then that means it is in our hands to maintain, to keep it and work to gain all that kind of thing. And thus grace then is false. So the, the point of this is salvation cannot be lost or taken away. There's the camp of either you're saved or you're not saved. People talk about denying Christ and all that kind of thing or living in sin. But there's the aspect of those being under enlightenment and they're not yet saved, but they're under enlightenment of this and they reject Christ and they fall away and all that kind of thing. And that then means they were not saved to begin with. Uh, they rejected Christ and lived in that. that that's the issue. People are talking about, well, well, they say they, they believe in Jesus and they live in sin. Well, they may not yet be saved. Uh, they could be under the enlightenment. That's what Hebrews 6, 4 to 6, Hebrews 10, 26 is all about. Um, but those who are saved have the spirit of God within them. And they, they will be under conviction and instruction, all of that. So it's a big topic. It's a big argument. And we're going to be talking about it more over on Instagram. So if you are interested in that, please make sure you follow and uh, subscribe there as well. And be in touch as we're going to be trying to whip up some vids on that. All right, so today we're going to be looking in the Gospel of Luke. We're in chapter star. We're in chapter 8, verse 40. Luke chapter 8, we're up to verse 40. All right. So I was making sure I didn't miss anything. Okay, so let's get going. All right, so please grab your tea, grab your coffee. We're going to be studying the Word of God. And if you have any comments, questions, issues, insights regarding the context at hand, please, by all means, go ahead, ask away. Be glad to hear from you. If it is not related to the topic at hand, please hold that to the end of the study or to the next broadcast. We want to limit our rabbit trailing. Okay, so we are in Luke 8, and we, we've been talking about here, if we back up, We've been talking about Legion, the demoniac, and uh, the run in there. And prior to that, uh, we were looking at the calming of the storm on the sea that Jesus did. And then they landed in the land of the Gadarenes, and they met the demoniac. And we see the whole thing there, how he was delivered and healed and saved. And he became a follower of Jesus Christ uh, by the sheer power of the name of Christ. So we looked into that in great detail. Please make sure you watch that video as well. And we'll continue here. Now, in verse 39, Jesus says to the man who was the demoniac, he's now saved and delivered and sealed. Jesus tells him, return to, to thine own house and show how great things God hath done unto thee. To show the great things that the Lord has done. How he has helped and delivered and instructed and, and all of this in the mercy and the grace of Christ. And it says, and he went his way and published throughout the whole city. This man went back and showed everyone, told everyone how he was changed and made new. Told the whole city how great things Jesus had done unto him. Now, do you see this? Do you see it? Do you see this? Verse 39, what did Jesus tell the man specifically? Look in your Bible. 
Luke chapter 8, verse 39. What did Jesus tell the man specifically? Words are important. Words are important. Jesus said, Show how great things God hath done unto thee. Look at it. Show how great things God hath done unto thee. And the man went his way and published throughout the whole city how great things Jesus had done unto him. Jesus says, God has done unto thee. The man went and showed what Jesus had done unto him. There's another one. There's another verse that you can use to help back up and prove the divinity of Jesus Christ. This right here goes to show this. The power of God in Jesus. The power of God in Jesus. You see that? Words are important. Context is important. Pairing scripture with scripture is so important. We need to understand the context. We need to understand the specific words. We need to understand the background. And there's so much that goes into this. Just reading the Bible is one thing. Now, slowing down and studying the Bible is an entirely different ball of wax. It's an entirely different thing. You, you can't really compare the two. You can read the Bible as much as you want. People say, well, I've read the Bible 50 times this year. Great. That's wonderful. How much did you retain? How much did you learn? Because you can read an entire book and not retain much about it. But then you can spend a you spend a whole year working through your Bible once, or even just you don't even hardly get quarter of the way through your Bible in a whole year. You will learn more. You will learn more studying your Bible than than people do reading their Bible fifty times a year. So you got to make sure you slow down and study it. Okay. Verse forty, and it came to pass. And it came to pass, as time went by, and it came to pass that when Jesus was returned, the people gladly received him. Why is that in the context? Why is that in the context? Why is that important? Back up. Verse 37, but the Gadarenes... They besought Jesus, begged Jesus, pleaded that Jesus would leave them, would depart for, from them, for they were taken with great fear. They did not want him. They rejected him. They feared him. They're scared of him. They wanted nothing to do with him. But it came to pass that he went back over to the other side again. The people gladly received him, for they were all waiting for him. See, you're going to find different kinds of people all the time people who hate jesus people who are scared of jesus people who love jesus and people who believe in jesus well you notice love and believe are completely different things you can say you love jesus but yet go to hell so there's many different camps and types of people and you can't just generically broad brush everything everybody is individually different when Jesus returned, the people gladly received him. Now, why? Jesus had done miracles and works with both camps. 
showing them his power, showing them who he is, helping and healing and doing wonderful things. And the reactions of the people are going to be quite vast. People gladly received him. When Jesus would go and preach, there'd be people who would hear him, people, and people would, would say he was a prophet, some say he was a holy man, some say he was the Christ, some say he was an evil man who's deceiving the people, all in the same crowd. The people gladly received him, for they were all waiting for him. And behold, so while this is going on, and Jesus is meeting the crowd, and they're all receiving him and all of this, and they're waiting. Behold, there, were, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue. So in this area where Jesus was, in this town, this village, the synagogues were basically the Jewish churches. And where they would come to gather and they would sit down and the scrolls would be brought out and they'd read, read through uh, the scriptures. And he was the ruler of it, the head of it. So, specific words, a ruler. He wasn't the head, he was one of the rulers. So that's why it's important. He was a ruler of the synagogue and he fell down at Jesus' feet. Now, it doesn't say he worshipped him, but this was a sign of great respect, great respect to him, acknowledging the, the, the power, the wisdom, the ability of Jesus. He fell down at Jesus' feet, a sign of respect, and besought him that he would come into his house, pleading, begging that Jesus would come into his house. For he had one only daughter about 12 years of age and she lay a dying okay so we got context here so jesus is being approached by this huge multitude of people and along comes jarius and he just falls down at jesus feet in front of the crowd see this is it's so important to paint the picture to use your sanctified imagination to uh, imagine how this is being played out it helps us uh, to grasp a lot of, of the context and what's going on in the nuances of scripture there came a ruler of the synagogue fell down at jesus feet and begged and they would come and heal his daughter she was dying but as he went the people thronged him so jesus agrees to go to this man's house and as they are going all of the crowd is enclosing in on him there's so much in this. So much in this. That trying to follow Jesus sometimes will be quite difficult. There'll be many hindrances, oppositions, people getting in the way, people of all different stri stripes and, and, and types. Uh, you're going to get you're going to get the haters and the trolls. You're going to get uh, uh uh, the selfish and the conceited, the the hyper legalistic religious versus every everything ever the, the crowd is full of different types of people getting in the way, getting in the way. It could be family, friends, coworkers, or whoever, whatever else. Everyone's getting in the way. The people thronged. That means pressed in upon, and you're basically having to elbow your way through the crowd. So this is what's going on. 
They're trying to push their way through the crowd. Everyone wants to talk to Jesus. Everyone wants their thing while you're trying to lead the way, while you're trying to go your way. But as he went, the people thronged him, pressed upon him. And now we got something interesting here. So while they are pressing through the crowd, verse 43, verse 43, a woman having an issue of blood 12 years, which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any. In this crowd, there is this one lone woman an issue of blood some have speculated what this could be now she has this illness this disease this bloody disease uh, and no doctor could help her no medication could help her no therapy could heal her there is nothing nothing anyone could do She's had this issue, this disease, this illness for 12 years. She's at her wit's end. She would have spent a fortune trying to heal this. She had nothing left. She had nothing left. Then she sees Jesus. Jesus is walking by. She came up behind Jesus, not in front. Now notice the specific words. She, she didn't approach Jesus in front and confront him, either from the side, but from behind. There's a fear. There's a timidity. There's a hesitation. But nonetheless, she still approached. She didn't grab Jesus. She didn't jump on him. She didn't grab his hand or grab his arm. She didn't grab him by the feet. She, it's like she didn't even want Jesus to know that she was even there. She didn't want anybody to know that she was there. You see the picture. The attitude. Put yourself in the shoes. She came up behind Jesus and touched, touched. It doesn't say grab. She didn't grab a hold, a fistful of his, of the hem of his garment. She touched. She just reached out and touched. She touched the border of his garment, the very bottom edge of his garment and immediately her issue of blood stenched that means healed stopped the issue was resolved a complete utter healing now think about this does this mean that the the actual clothing of jesus was some mystical divine power icon holy article thing no the clothing of jesus did not heal her 
what healed her. She reaches out and touches the border of the hem of his garment. And Jesus stops and says, who touched me? Now, did Jesus not know? Yes, he knew. Why did he say this? There's a reason. You see, because when we, if we zoom out and look at the picture, we see the crowd and the thronging Jesus, the loudness and the din, and everyone's talking, everyone's yelling, everyone's going on, and the crowd noise, and everyone's pressing in, and Jesus and Jairus are trying to make their way, and along comes this woman trying to press through the crowd and just manages to reach out and just touch the hem of his garment. What drove her? Why didn't she just give up? She couldn't get to him for the press. All she could do is just barely reach out and touch the hem of his garment. But what caused her to press and fight through, to keep going, to at least try? Faith. Faith. Faith is what keeps us going when everyone gets in the way. Troubles arise, temptations arise, illness, disease, turmoil. Faith. Faith. Faith overcomes anything, everything. Faith overrides the crowd. Your faith is louder than the crowd. Faith the size of a grain of mustard seed is also the size of just touching the hem of the garment. Jesus says, who touched me? He stops. He stops the whole crowd. Everything goes silent. The whole huge crowd just stops. Jesus raises his hand and says, Who touched me? And everyone stops. Everyone's looking around. Everyone's looking around. Jesus says, Who touched me? When all denied, Peter and they that were with him, his, his disciples, says, Master, the multitude is thronging thee and pressing thee. And sayest thou who touched me? Ah, but you can touch Jesus, not in faith. Many people come to the Lord and ask of the Lord and plead of the Lord, not in faith. If you ask of the Lord, doubting in unbelief, asking amiss, there's many, many ways you can approach Jesus wrongly. You can press upon Jesus wrongly many in that day will cry lord lord have we not done many wonderful works in thy name have we not prophesied in thy name have we not cast out devils in thy name and he'll say but i don't know you there'll be many 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 pressing upon him but there's only one type of pressing upon jesus that I actually get his attention in faith believing in faith believing 
Verse 46, and Jesus says, But somebody hath touched me, for I perceive that virtue is gone out of me. What does that mean? Somebody has approached Jesus and touched Jesus in such a way that the grace of God was imputed upon them. What brings the grace of God? Believing faith. Believing faith brings the grace of God of salvation. And for the saved, it's believing faith in prayer. Believing faith that brings the mercy, the goodness, and the grace of God upon you to, to reward the requests that you have brought forward to him. As James 1, 6-7 ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed, for let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Somebody hath touched me, for I perceive the virtue has gone out of me. Someone has approached me in believing faith that they were rewarded for their faith. The power, the virtue, that means the power of God has gone upon them to answer their request because of their believing faith. Jesus was singling her out in such a way as also to inform her that he's heard her, he's helped her. Verse 40 said, when the woman saw that she was not hid, she approached in humility. As Olga puts that point there, in humility, yes. She approached in humility. She didn't make a big deal out of it. She kept it private. As scripture talks about, about asking of our father in private, you'll be rewarded openly. She approached Jesus privately, quietly, of her own self. She didn't draw any, any attention. She didn't mean to. She didn't want attention. She saw that she was not hid. She came trembling. She's full of fear and timidity. She falls down before him. And she declares unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. She wasn't ashamed. She was scared. She's a nobody in front of this huge crowd full of all kinds of people. But she confesses Christ nonetheless, even shaking, her voice shaking, her knees shaking. And then also in the excitement of seeing that she was healed, she confesses it publicly. And how she just touched and she was healed. And Jesus said unto her, Daughter, a child of God. She was a believer. Daughter, be of good comfort, peace. It's okay. In front of the whole crowd, Jesus stops the crowd, silences the crowd, puts all attention on her, and rewards her publicly. Daughter, Calm down. Be at peace. Look what he says. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Not my clothes. Not your actions. Not your works. 
not by your hands, your faith. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. Your faith hath made thee whole. Faith saves. Faith heals. James chapter 5, is any sick among you? Let them call for the elders of the church, and they praying over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will heal the sick. The prayer of faith. Whatsoever you ask in faith, believing, you receive. For by grace, the unmerited favor of God, are ye saved through faith, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And you are sealed by the Spirit of God unto salvation. Sealed by the Spirit of God. Ephesians 1.13 and Ephesians 4.30. And dwelt by the Spirit of Christ. Ephesians 3.17. Fear not. Worry not. Be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. Go in peace. Worrying not, fearing not, doubting not, caring not, stressing not, being anxious for nothing. Go in peace. Well, let me ask you a question, though. As I talked about at the beginning of the broadcast, about we're talking about eternal security and all this. Let me just ask you a question, folks. This is a rhetorical question. You don't have to answer this. I just want to make this statement because it, it annoys me to no end. Hearing that you can lose your salvation, have it taken away or anything like that. Because if your salvation can be lost or taken away, how in all that is holy can you be in peace? You'd be in constant turmoil, fearing constantly that you could lose it. It'll be taken away. You might not get there. You'd be living your whole life believing in Jesus, worrying you're going to go to hell. You would never have the peace of salvation, of eternal security, that assurance of salvation. How could you possibly have one iota of peace if in your mind you're thinking it could be stripped from you? That if I do one thing wrong, or if I don't do this correctly, if I don't do that correctly, if I don't maintain this and keep that, oh, I'll go to hell. How could you go in peace? think on that verse 49 while he yet spake while he yet spake there cometh one from the ruler of the synagogue's house jairus's house someone came from jairus's house while this is going on while this is going on someone comes from jairus's house saying to him thy daughter is dead trouble not the master Uh, the worst thing. Meanwhile, that the, there is a, a sense of hope in Jairus' mind. His daughter's still alive. Jesus is coming, but there's a delay. There's a delay in the answer. He's interceded. He's pleaded, and, and he's praying, and he's hoping that it'll come in time. But while he's waiting, while he's hoping, while he's praying, if things are just getting worse and worse and worse, and now the worst possible thing has happened, he's been told that his daughter is now dead, 
and they and the answer has still ha the answer still has not come to his house circumstances tries to strip faith circumstances situations try to strip faith strip salvation strip hope strip peace My daughter is dead. Hope is dead. It's over. What's the point of praying? What's the point of believing? What's the point of having faith? What's the point? And it's just getting worse and worse and worse and worse. That my praying is achieving nothing. I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and dead. Like, does God not care? And now going through the head. Is, is Jesus not going to help? What's the point of faith? What's the point of believing anymore? What's the point of trying? Is all gone through the head. The flesh is now having a, a field day. But when Jesus heard it. Verse 50. But when Jesus heard it. He answered him saying. Fear not. Faith in circumstances or faith in Christ? Hope in situations and circumstances or hope in Christ? Because as we know, Christ is God. Jesus Christ is God Almighty manifested in the flesh. He's the Word that made all things. And the Word which became flesh and dwelt among us. John chapter 1 verse 1 and 14. He made all things. In Him is life forevermore. He opens the eyes of the blind. He opens the ears of the deaf. He loosens the tongue of the mute. He raises the dead, heals the lepers. He, he works miracles and wonders. He put the stars in space. And he became flesh and dwelt among us. And he worked these miracles among us. He showed himself openly unto all. And he says, fear not. Situations and circumstances and certain events and things and people will tell you to fear, worry, stress. It's over. It's done. There's no hope. No point. Give up. He says, fear not. God defies the laws of physics. He defies the flesh. God defies sin. God defies the impossible. For, for with men it's impossible. With God all things are possible. Even salvation is not in our hands. Salvation is not in our hands. We, it's not in our hands to, to earn, to gain, maintain, to keep, or self-atone. It's not in our hands to, to keep or lose. We do not have power over our salvation. Emphatically, we do not have power over our salvation. He gives us the enlightenment. He calls all. He's not willing that any should perish. He, he gives all a chance. He enlightens the minds. We believe. And then he saves us. He saves us. Once we're saved, we're always saved. And we can have troubles. We can have the depths of troubles. Depths of troubles. We can be in the pig pen like the prodigal son. Rejected his father. Went off into the world. Lived in the pig pen. When did he cease to be a son of his father? When did he cease to be a son of his father? Didn't. But rather in the pig pen. He came under conviction. He says I'll return to my father. 
He got up, climbed out, returned, and the father ran and embraced him. Faith overrides circumstances. Hope overrides situations. Fear not. Even in death. Fear not. Even in death. Fear not. Fear not. What does Jesus say next? What are the next two words? Fear not. Believe only. Oh, I just I just want to shout right now. That right there. That's the whole thing. Fear not. Believe only. Believe only. You don't have to do anything. Believe only. By grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Believe only. Romans 10, 9 to 10. Confess the belief of your heart. You're saved. Acts 16, 31. Believe. On the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be, be saved. John 3.16 All throughout the New Testament, all throughout the scriptures, all together, believe only. Even in situations and circumstances of the Christian. When troubles and trials and issues arise, believe only. When all the world is thronging the mind, pressing in upon you, 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 it seems you just, you can't get a hold of him, it would seem. But even just the fingers brushing the hem of his garment is enough. He is never beyond reach. Your emotions your feelings, the situations, the circumstances, the events and the issues, and all these things would make you feel like he's too far. Was Jesus too far away from this woman? No. Was he too far for Jairus? No. Even in death? No. Fear not, believe only, and she shall be made whole. But Lord, she's dead. But Lord, it's dead. It's done. It's gone. It's game over. We're, it, there's no point left. It, it, what, what, I, what I didn't want to happen has happened. Lord, I didn't want this to happen. This is the whole point I came to you. This is the whole point I cried unto you. I prayed and I asked of you. And it, I, interesting, I, I, you told me you would help me. You said that you would answer. You said, ask, you shall receive. And Lord, I believed your word, but Lord, it's happened. You didn't answer me. You didn't help me. But the Lord says, yeah, worry not. What do you mean? Don't worry about what I didn't want to happen has happened? Believe only. I can turn it around even now. 
she shall be made whole. You're telling me that what I didn't want to happen has happened. You're telling me you can turn this back around even now. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? And when he came into the house, Jarius didn't give up. Jarius had faith enough to keep walking. Could you imagine the emotions that would come over him? He, it, her, his daughter, his 12-year-old daughter is dead. Could you imagine the emotions upon him in that moment? Would he have been crying? Would he have been sobbing? The arm of Jesus would be around him and say, just, just one foot in front of the other. Just keep walking. Keep walking. Bring me to your house. Keep walking. Don't give up. One foot in front of the other. Even in the tears, you can't even see hardly. The, the tears is flowing. She's dead. She's dead. But keep walking. Keep walking. They came into the house. And he suffered no man to go in save Peter and James and John and the father and the mother of the maiden. He, so everyone else was kicked out. And only the ones that are allowed in was Peter, James, and John and the mom and the dad. And all wept. All wept. They were all crying. The house is full of sorrow. The house is full of tears and sorrow and weeping and wailing. And bewailed her. They were wailing. There's no hope. And Jesus turns and says, weep not. Now here's another one. Worry not, fear not, doubt not, fret not, be anxious for nothing, care not, weep not. Weep not. And then Jesus says something here. She is not dead, but sleepeth. Now, this has caused some issue with, with some people that say, saying, well, well, what, you know, the people that Jesus raised from the dead, they weren't actually dead. They were like in a coma or something. No, 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 no. This woman was dead. This girl's dead. Lazarus is dead. That that boy on, on that they were carrying on the pallet and, and then they met the funeral procession, that, that, that guy was dead. The, the people that Jesus raised from the dead, they were dead. But what does it mean then when Jesus says they're not dead? God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. She has eternal life. This girl was a believer. Nowhere, nowhere, nowhere in the entirety of the word of God do you see an unbeliever being brought back from the dead. You never, ever, ever, ever see a soul coming from hell. Those that were raised to life again, brought back to life, are those who are saved because they have eternal life. 
see the difference? Weep not. She's not dead. We sorrow not like those who have no hope. We do not sorrow like those who have no hope. We sorrow rather those who have hope. We will see them again. It's like you, your family member is going on a, on a long journey and they're going to be, you're going to be separated for a while, but you're going to meet up again. You know, it might be, it, you might be sad, you know, that you know, you're not going to see them for a while, maybe a little bit of tears, but, but you, but inside there's still a joy. There's still a hope. I, I'll see you in a month. I'll see you in a year. I'll see you in a few days. Uh, we'll, we'll catch up to you. I'll see you later. No two Christians will ever say goodbye for the last time. We will see we will see each other again. It may take some time, but we'll, we will meet up again. We will meet up again. Eternal separation does not exist for the Christians. You can't lose your salvation. Weep not. She's not dead. She has eternal life. She's saved. It's like she's sleeping. She sleepeth. The body, the body is dead. The soul is alive. The body awaits the resurrection. It's not permanently dead. The body is not permanently dead. It's awaiting the resurrection. The body will come back to life again. That's what that means. The body sleeps. The soul is with the Lord. The body is sleeping, waiting. The soul is with the Lord. And they laughed him to scorn. They laughed and mocked Jesus. They. Look, look at verse 53. Look at verse 53 for a moment. You have your Bibles? Please turn to Luke chapter 8, verse 53. They laughed him to scorn, knowing that she was dead. Our personal opinions, our personal beliefs, our personal knowledge, our personal circumstances and situations can be so strong in our minds and reasoning that we can't just accept what God says. God says she's not gone. But I know better. I think, I believe, my interpretation, my opinion, I feel, I believe. They knew she was dead, but Jesus says, no, she's not. Who's right? Who's right? Who's wrong? Who's right? Who's wrong? Did Jesus, did Jesus get all flustered? Say, okay, fine. You know what? Since you're laughing and mocking me, I'm not going to help you. I'm gone. And he leaves. Or does he do something else? The grace of God overrides our obstinance. The grace of God overrides our arrogance. The grace of God overrides our self-conceited ideology. 
I think, I believe, I feel, I feel, I'm right about everything, and I have my interpretations, and my doctrines, and me, my, I, and God overlooks that, and we're like foolish children, children who think they know better than the parent. Soul sleeps a false doctrine, yes. And they laughed him to scorn, knowing that she was dead. What do we also learn from this? Those who have not faith can't help. They don't help. And he put them all out. What do we get from that? In the house, in your life, in your circle of influence, those who have no faith, who fear and are driven by fear, driven by worry, driven by physicality, driven by hopelessness, separate from them. Put them out. They don't help you. They hold you back. They hinder. He put them all out. He got away from that. A little leaven leavens a whole lump. I'm not saying that Jesus could be leavened or, or be brought down. I'm not saying that. I'm saying he's giving us an example here. If you want to serve the Lord and if you want to have faith, you need to get away from the faithless. You need to get away from the faithless. Get away from the worry warts. Get away from all of them. The fearful, the unbelieving, the faithless. You need to separate. They don't help. They tear down and they mock faith. They know, well, you know, you can pray, but, you know, but if it's his will, the cop out, the great cop out. Not, I'm not mocking the will of God. I'm saying so, so many Christians pray in the Christian cop out is what I call it. Say, Lord, could you please help me if it's your will? They do that, say that, they believe that in such a way with, uh, so they can allow that nagging doubt in the back of their mind so that if it doesn't come to pass, they're not so put out. They have not faith to believe. They have not faith to believe. You need to put worry, doubt, and fear out of your mind that you listen to the spirit, not the flesh. The flesh will keep screaming and mocking and laughing and trolling. The flesh will keep on. Ignore the flesh. Keep walking one foot in front of the other and trust and believe. Have faith. Let your faith be stronger than your doubts. That even when it seems hopeless, you keep praying. As Daniel, he, he, heard, he heard nothing from the Lord for 21 days. But he kept praying while the angels are fighting the demons. They're trying to blockade against his prayers until the answer finally came. It would have seemed like the burning fiery furnace would have been kind of a, a no-brainer that all hope is gone. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego still had faith, and they trusted the Lord, and they put one foot in front of the other and walked right into the furnace. Look at Daniel in the lion's den, David and Goliath, Moses in the sea, Moses in Egypt, Elijah, Mount Carmel, Paul before Alimus the sorcerer, Paul before Caesar, Jesus before the crowds, Peter before the Sanhedrin. You put 
out all fear. Have all faith. And he put them all out. And he walks over to the bed. Jesus walks over to the bed. He's now all alone. What's also the other picture you see from this? Being faithless, you're going to see nothing. And he put them all out and took her by the hand. He walks over to the bed. There's a moment where Jesus is looking down at the face of this dead 12-year-old girl. Jesus reaches down, grabs her hand, and he says, Maid, arise. Now, I need you to really see this. She's dead. The face is gone pale. It's the face of death. I don't know if you've ever seen a dead body. That kind of gray. That grayed face. She'd be rigor mortis. It's a dead corpse. He grabs the hand. Verse 55. And her spirit came again. Proof! Soul sleep is false. The soul and spirit leaves the body. If the soul and spirit were still in the body, where did the spirit come from? It says the spirit came again. The spirit came again, and she arose straightway, right away. The dead body. He grabs the hand. He says, made her eyes. Immediately, the face flushed with life. Her eyes opened. She took a deep breath and sat up alive. He's the God of the living, not the God of the dead. And her parents were astonished. Verse 56, and her parents were astonished. But he charged them that they should tell no man what was done. They were astonished. Bewildered, blown away, speechless. They didn't know what to say. They didn't know what to say. This is not possible. This is not, but this is not natural. This is supernatural. Faith overrides the physical. Faith overrides physical. Faith overrides circumstances. Faith shows you that physicality materialism is not the end. Death is not the end. There's grace enough. There's grace enough to knock down the walls of Jericho. There's faith and grace enough. There's grace enough that the jar of oil and the barrel of meal will not run out. There's grace enough that all it took was one smooth stone from a shepherd's sling. There's grace enough that all you had to do was speak unto this rock and water would come out. Grace enough is just stand still, do nothing, just believe, and the sea split. Grace enough that the water turned to wine. Grace enough. The feeding of the thousands, grace enough. That even the moments of fear and hopelessness. But because you had faith enough to, to bring Christ to the house, there's grace enough that she was brought back to life. Faith was brought back to life. These parents 
these parrots, their faith was, was dashed on the rocks of hopelessness. Their 12-year-old girl died. Their faith died with her because they, they mocked Christ after that. But does the Lord abandon us in a moment of despair? Does the Lord abandon us when everything goes wrong? Does he abandon us? Do we cease to be children of God when things go bad and you get mad and you mock God, you get mad at God, you get depressed at God because of circumstances and troubles and trials and all these things that when, that when the world overrides us and we just get all bent out of shape, does God abandon us and we lose our salvation? No. He raises faith again. You can't lose your salvation. It's by grace through faith, by belief alone. Once saved, always saved, because Scripture says it. Saying that that's wrong, you call God a liar. Then your, your salvation, your faith then is dependent upon your own hands that these parents then, Jesus should have left the house, but he didn't. Why? Because he doesn't abandon his own. He doesn't abandon even when we are wrong, even when we make mistakes, even when we mess up, even when we get mad, even when we laugh and mock Christ to scorn. He doesn't abandon us. This is proof of it. What more proof do you need? Well, I think, I think you're wrong. Yeah, well, I believe you believe wrong. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Complete. Worry not. Fear not. Believe only. Weep not. There's no such thing as the end of the rope of salvation. For the rope of our salvation has no end. You cannot come to the end of salvation. You cannot come to the end of grace. Where sin abounds, grace did much more abound. Grace is so complete. Grace is so overwhelming. The grace of God is undeserved. Look at these parents. Did they deserve to have their daughter raised back? Look what they did to Jesus. They laughed him to scorn in front of his disciples. Right after Jesus said he would come and help them, they mocked him. They mocked him. How can you say you can lose your salvation? How can you say that God that God's favor is earned? How can you say it's by works? How can you say it's by righteous works or self-atonement or that that it's in our hands to earn, to gain, or maintain, to keep? How can you say that? Do you not read the scriptures? Do you not understand the whole point of grace? What is grace? If it was even one micron of my effort, grace is a lie and God's a liar. These parents did not deserve it. That's grace. 
the very fact that Jesus stayed there, he didn't rebuke them. He didn't leave them. He stayed there. And he raised her despite their sin. If that's not the epitome of grace, then I don't know what is. And all these religions and denominations around us telling you that Christ abandons. He abandons you. He leaves you. He strips redemption off of you. He wrings off his blood off of you. He casts you back into hell. He, he rips your name out of the Lamb's book of life. And they rewrite the scriptures saying he should have left that house. Because you got to earn the favor of God. You have to maintain to keep it. You have to work to keep Christ in your house. No, he stays there. Once he's invited, he stays. And he fulfills. Because he said so. And he proves it. Any that say otherwise are wrong. Because God said so. People say, well, that's your interpretation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. My interpretation is the Bible. The Bible is my interpretation. What it says is what it means. And you can't rewrite it. You try, you're accursed of God. That's what it says. Grace. Our son abounds. Grace did much more abound. His grace is unmerited. Unwarranted. We don't deserve it at all our fears and doubts and our unbelief as peter fell before the lord says lord depart from me i'm a sinful man the lord forgave him anyways the lord doesn't abandon his own no matter how stupid we can be no matter how angry we can get no matter how disrespectful we can get he doesn't abandon but he corrects because look what he did. He showed them. He showed them the mo the mom and dad. He showed them how they were wrong. Is that not what the spirit of God does? He instructs, guide, guards, convicts. He shows you the difference between the holy and the profane. He shows you how you were wrong for fearing and doubting. How you were wrong for depressing. He shows you. He doesn't abandon you. He, just, he doesn't say, well, I tried, but you just, you're not listening, so you know what? You're on your own. He doesn't do that. I will never leave you is a lie if he does. If he said, I will never leave you nor forsake, I will. I will never leave you nor forsake. Even if you try to, you could turn around, try to walk away like the prodigal son, but he's right there. He's right there waiting for you to stop your little temper tantrum and turn back around and repent he doesn't disown well he he he's, he scribbles your name he wipes your name out of the book of life you know there's two books right yeah have you studied your bible have you studied your bible there are two books there's the book of life and the lamb's book of life it flat out talks about the two books there's the book of life those that are born those that are alive in general, those are alive, like Ananias and Sapphira. They are believers, but their names are struck out of the book of life. They died. 
But the Lamb's book of life is a separate book of those that are born again. Born once into physical life, but you must be born again. There's two books. You can't be struck out of the Lamb's book of life. Those who criticize scripture are those that read it the least. Those that criticize biblical doctrines are those that don't study them. The volume of the book, it is written of me. We see the grace of Christ, the faith of Christ. We see the goodness of God. We see the work of God on every page. Every page. Even in death, it is not the end. Her spirit came again unto her. Where was her spirit? Well, the unsaved aren't brought back. Those from hell don't come back. Obviously, she was somewhere else. Obviously, she was somewhere else. And we also learn one more thing out of this. She. Christ honored her. The daughter. She was a testimony to her parents. She left them a testimony. Christ came for her. The parents did not honor Christ. The daughter did. And as scripture says, the dead yet speaketh. That's that's a that's a metaphorical phrase to talk about the the testimony left over. The testimony you leave behind speaks for you, even though you're gone. She was saved. We don't know about the parents. It doesn't say about the parents if they were saved or not. But we know from the text that she was. Yeah, nobody can go to hell and come back. It's not a thing. To actually go. Now, there's a difference between visions and hallucinations and actually going. It's biblically not possible for a person to actually go to hell and come back. It's not a thing. Now, the daughter was brought back and her testimony, her testimony brought faith into the parents. Showed them the truth of Christ, who he was. They mocked him. Then they were astounded. Then they didn't know what to say. They didn't know what to say. Some people, and we never really hear anything else from them again. We don't know what happened to them after this. But in this we see something. Christ was glorified. Christ was glorified. And that's the whole point. Christ is glorified. Faith is increased. The mockers are silenced because of the power of Christ. The power of Christ unto salvation. That even in death. So, there's something to think about. What can you learn from this? What can we glean from this? Salvation is assured. Christ holds us even when we let go. 
circumstances and situations and my works mean nothing are irrelevant believe only fear not worry not weep not believe only believe only that's what christ is telling us in luke chapter 8. all right so there you go if you appreciate these studies give us a like give us a thumbs up make sure you subscribe hit notification bell icon so you know when we put up new videos and check out all our other videos we got tons of content tons of videos of different topics and doctrines and debates and all kinds of stuff and goodies there please check them out as well please make sure you check out our website christiancoffeetime.ca we got tons of goodies over there as well and uh, links to all our other platforms and to the shops make sure you check those out we got new designs up on the Redbubble. make sure you check those out too and let us know if you have any questions so with that and go back up through the comments okay faith drove her and humility amen amen i've been in the pig pen many times <laughs> which of us haven't been exactly the point the point is it's not the fall the point is getting back up the righteous man falls seven times and rises again uh, it's about the getting back up it's about the getting back up the the conviction of this and it drives us back no matter how many times we fall into that stupid muck is we climb back out and keep walking amen all right okay sarah has a question okay even if you went on a dark path you you have salvation still all sin is willful sin all sin is willful sin even looking and lusting is committing adultery hating is murder all liars will have their place in lake of fire all sin is sin is the point all sin is sin god hates all sin there's no sin that's worse than other sins all sins are condemned all sins are hated just as equally now can christians make mistakes yes can christians sin yes can christians do really bad things yes can christians be in error yes can christians be in theological error yes for a while but the spirit of god will correct you that's the whole point is we can fall into depression and anger and stress and and everything else we can have really bad days and fall into really bad stupid things we can make really big stupid mistakes but the point is that the spirit of god will convict you he will convict you he'll teach you he'll help you to try to bring you back so you'd repent of that and, and keep doing what you're supposed to be doing he doesn't abandon you he doesn't abandon you the works-based salvationists, the religious hypocrites and legalists would tell you, well, no, your salvation is dependent upon your own hands, upon your fruit. You got to maintain and keep. No, 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 no. That's a lie. It's a lie. It's grace. God doesn't abandon, even though we might. We might for a moment because situations and circumstances and fears and heavinesses or whatever is going on may drive you into a deep darkness of something or whatever. But he's still with you, whithersoever thou goest, even to the end of the world, even to the end, end of your faith, it would seem. But that's where he raises faith again. It takes one spark of faith. One last litter, little ember coal can fan the flame back. It'll never go cold. It'll never die. You cannot lose your salvation. 
The Spirit of God is within you. You can silence and ignore. You can sear your conscience with a hot iron, it would seem, for a while. But then again, he will fan it back with conviction. You can't lose it. It'll, it cannot be taken away. It cannot be recanted. Okay, Vice says, but if I get away from the faithless, how can we tell them about the gospel? What I'm talking about there, what I mentioned there, is in your personal walk. Is hanging around those those of that type of, type of uh, evil communications. Evil communications corrupt good manners. You see, it's Jesus sat with the publicans and sinners. But not to take part. But he did it in such a way to instruct them and tell them. Those that did not want him, he left. He walked away. Those that do not want to hear it, do not want to believe it, do not want it, they reject it, they oppose it, leave. So that's what the Bible says. There's a difference between those who, who want to learn and have an ear to hear. There's a difference between them and those that don't. Those that don't, they've hardened their hearts and they, they refuse to have faith. They refuse to believe. They refuse to hear it. Leave. That's the difference. You try to tell them, they won't accept it. Walk away. Okay. Okay. Uh, Lisa says, this study I needed, needed for today, my religious family are condemning me lately over the rituals they want me to follow. It's not about rituals. It's not about ritualism. It's not about ritualism. It's not about traditionalism. It's not about any of that. It's not about the physicality. It's not about the materialism. It's about belief of faith. Belief of faith. What you do does not affect your salvation. And the Lord requires faith. That's the prayer of faith. It's the belief of faith. It's not about. It's not that we have to do things. It's we want to. A want to, not a have to. What? Why do you want to? Because you love him. So it's a, it's the attitude of the heart, not mandatory religiosity. Okay. Okay, going down through. Angela says, how can you do anything for the Lord if you're always worried about your salvation? That's <laughs> like, there you go. That's exactly it too. Yep. Yep, our salvation is on Jesus the rock. It doesn't move. That's right. That's right. The foundation that doesn't move, though the waves and, uh, and, and all the things crash against it, it cannot knock down. But those that build their house on sand, on that which can be removed, it will fall down. If you believe your salvation can be removed, your house is built upon sand. Mm, there you go. Yep. All right. So with that, Grace is eternal, and there's grace enough. There's grace enough. Where sin abounds, grace did much more abound. I will never leave thee, never forsake thee. I'll be with you always. You're held in, in my hand, and no man can pluck you out. That means you can't pluck yourself out either. How many more scriptures do you need? Okay, so now, with all of that, with everything that I've just said, everything that I just talked about, put that all together now, now look at 
Worry about what? What is there to fear now? What is there to doubt? What is there to fret about? Be anxious for what then? The Lord holds me despite everything. Worry about what? Now go. Go show others. Go tell others what great things the Lord has done for you. He saved utterly. He redeemed utterly. He delivered utterly. He cleansed and washed you utterly. He puts in you his spirit. He puts a new song, new heart in you, a new mind. He brought, he brought you to spiritual life. He holds you in his hand. No man can pluck you out. That means you can't pluck yourself out either. What's there left to do? Rejoice. Rejoice. Rejoice over the goodness of God, over the grace of God, over the salvation of our Lord God, Jesus Christ. That our lives, even our deaths, are testaments of His goodness, of His eternality of goodness, of His everlasting grace. That's what it's all about. You can't mock Jesus out of your home. <laughs> because our stupidity does not drive God away. What more do you want? What more do you want? So there you go. Any last comments, questions, issues, insights, anything else at all? Please go ahead. Ask away. So with that, as I've said it before, I'll say it again. I am on the record of saying I am a staunch, hardcore, once saved, always saved preacher. I absolutely believe it 100% without any shadow of doubt. You cannot convince me in any way, shape, or form that salvation can be lost, taken away, or recanted. It cannot happen does not happen because otherwise god would be a liar and all scripture would just contradict itself like crazy salvation is assured it cannot be lost cannot be taken away cannot be recanted that ye may know that ye have eternal life why how because you believed believe only it's what it says it's what it says and you can't convince me otherwise so with that, God bless you, folks. God bless you. All right, so I, I'm on fire, but if I just keep going, I'll be going for hours. I don't, I, but I'll save it for another time. I got some more videos coming up on Instagram at some point. I'm trying to work it out with some of my friends on uh, some possible videos there. But meanwhile, please uh, go through this. Watch this again. Share this video. Please share this video with other Christians uh, who may be struggling with this kind of a thing. Share with them and help them to understand. And this video will also be added to our playlist, Once Saved, Always Saved. So according to the Bible, Once Saved, Always Saved, we have a whole playlist of videos proving eternal security salvation is absolute it cannot be lost so please make sure you check out that playlist uh, this video will be added to it and share the playlist around share the playlist around 
All right, so God bless you folks. God bless all those who love our Lord God, Jesus Christ. God bless all those who love his holy word. Hope to see you again, folks. And as always, if I don't see you again, I'll see you in the sky. God bless.